The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet? The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. The Rossillo Show solo today, sort of. Uh, this is good for me at least because I don't spend a lot of time by myself. So get a little time away. Steven Jackson, one solid hour of Steven Jackson telling us NBA stories and also who he least like playing against. I just saw him in the calf. I prepped him up. He's got heavy portions, so he's going to have a lot of energy. So we have one full hour. It's going to start 2 Eastern here on the Rosillo Show with Steven Jackson, one of our best NBA analysts, and honestly one of the best, not NBA storytellers, pro-athlete storytellers I've ever run into. A bunch of things that I want to get to. Mike Mitchell sound. Everybody loves it from the Steelers, and you should love it. It's good stuff. It's raw. It's real. It's honest. We like that stuff. Um, but I, I don't know if I can take his side, even though I usually take the side of the safeties. We'll get to that in a little bit. I want to congratulate Tennessee, and that's where I want to start. Time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. So Tennessee spent a lot of time getting beat up. Getting beat up by pretty much everybody with a microphone. It felt a little bit like late night TV, right? Those monologues. Because when you when you get beat up publicly 24, maybe 48 hours, and then we move on. But for Tennessee, it went a lot longer. And then you had other people making fun of Tennessee that wouldn't normally be making fun of Tennessee because it was supposed to be Shiano. It was then supposed to be Jeff Brom, then it was supposed to be Dave Doran, and then it was going to be Mike Leach, and then all of a sudden you didn't have an AD, and there's probably six other names I could throw in there if I was trying to make a point. But we all know the timeline, and it went on a lot longer for Tennessee than you would have thought. Not that Tennessee isn't deserving of criticism, but because, and it's not because Tennessee's a lesser program, it's just, all right, we need to move on. Generally, we move on. But when the late-night talk shows start doing jokes with what do cavemen and Tennessee fans have in common, they both communicate using rocks. You go, all right, and that was supposed to be bad on purpose because it's late-night TV. I would never use that on this show. But now it's kind of over because they've hired defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt. And you go, wait a minute, that guy's with Bama, been in Florida State, he's an Alabama guy, and I know a lot of times when you hire the assistant, and we, there's plenty of assistants that don't necessarily mean it's the lock that you're going to be successful, but football people around the country are applauding you, Tennessee. They're going, you know what? That was good. And now it kind of feels over. Isn't that fun? Like, it wasn't fun during the week, but now it's kind of over. And Lewis Riddick is screaming on Twitter last night, saying this is a slam dunk hire, even if he's not the biggest name. So now it kind of feels over, and everybody's moved on, and nobody really cares about Tennessee anymore, meaning nationally. Like, the jokes aren't going to keep happening. I mean, they're going to happen on your message boards. They're going to happen with Florida and maybe Alabama as rivals. But for the most part, a lot of guys like me will have moved on. And I think there's a lesson in all of this. And the lesson is, is as I tried to tell you last week, nobody really cares that much. It's just you're caught up in that news cycle. It was never personal. When you're in the crosshairs the way you are, Knoxville, at that time, it feels like it's all about you. It feels like everybody's out to get you. It feels like there's all these vendettas. And for the most part, it isn't. We're just filling up content. And when I look back at the timeline of how it's worked in college football, it's very similar. Some are worse, some are better, but it's very consistent. Ohio State fans, when they lost back-to-back national titles, felt like everyone was out to get them. And working here at ESPN, it's about when I started, I kept hearing from Ohio State, uh, Ohio State fans all the time, hey, why are you guys beating up on us all the time? Like, what, what are you doing? Why is it our fault that we played in two national title games and got smoked, and somehow that makes us look bad? I remember there was an Ohio State rumor when they lost the Florida game where someone said their left tackle gained 50 pounds between the end of the regular season and the bowl game. I don't even know if that's remotely true. I just know everybody repeated it all the time. Jimmy Johnson called that Florida-Ohio State game the worst coach game he's ever seen in his entire life. And it felt very personal. It felt like you were making it to the peak, losing the title game, and everybody was making fun of you. And they were. And then they moved on. I mean, you, that one's not even as bad as Alabama. Alabama, at one point, I know this is kind of funny for a lot of you, but Alabama had Mike DeBose, who was out. They brought in Dennis Francione, who left Alabama to go to A&M. 
Think about this. If you're new to this college football thing, a guy left Tuscaloosa to go to A&M. Now, for him, he wanted to leave because there were some sanctions coming out that were prior to him taking over the gig. He'd gone 10-3. and He was telling his players through all of the controversy and all the sanctions that could be coming down. His, his line was, hold the rope, right? Hold the rope. He was like, I'm going to get on a plane, but you go ahead and hold the rope. Bama got laughed at. They brought in Mike Price, who rarely do you have a head coach that is hired from December until May, but he lost his gig for a bunch of reasons. And then Mike Shula. So those were your four Alabama coaches, one that never even made it to be a head coach of a game because of other stuff. And Alabama got made fun of, and Alabama got made fun of for actually going to the airport to worship Nick Saban the same way A&M fans just did it for Jimbo Fisher. Rosilla Show, Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest and most dependable 4G LTE networks. So the point is, is at that time, Ohio State thought they were being made fun of unfairly. Penn State thought the same thing. Now, Penn State, your thing was different. Your thing was more serious. I was just there a month ago. I went on local radio. They asked me, hey, how do you feel about Penn State in the aftermath of everything else? I said, honestly, I think the rest of us have moved on. We started talking about Penn State as playoff worthy last year and whether or not they could repeat that this year as a football team. I understand you're defensive about it, Penn State fan. I understand that you wear it kind of as this this hoodie over your head where you just feel like everybody is down on you and looking down on your program. And yes, there's some that are, but we aren't talking about that anymore nationally. I think Florida State fans went crazy the year after they won a national title because they still weren't as good of a team. They were being criticized more. Rolling Stone wrote this atrocious article about ESPN's bias about Florida State. And by the way, the guy that wrote that, I went and checked his Twitter feed this morning. He made a Jimbo Fisher wife joke this morning. And it was every year. Like What I'm saying is that every single time you think that it's about you, that everyone is out to get you. And it felt that way if you were in Knoxville for about a week and a half. It isn't. We just got stuff to talk about. Like, I saw one conspiracy theory that said that everyone at ESPN that's rep by CAA agencies, or any agent from CAA, because there was some way that Chiano was rep by CAA and that everybody that was on the air at ESPN was ripping Tennessee because of agent ties. I'm telling you right now, if you think Stephen A. Smith ripped Tennessee because he was talking to Shiano's agent, you have no idea how this works. If the over-under is zero for the number of times that Stephen A. Smith has talked to an agent about the Tennessee head coaching job, if the over-under is zero, I will still take the under. That's just not the way it worked. But, look, you got Jeremy Pruitt. Everybody likes this guy. Everyone respects him. And now it's over. And it was just rough for about a week and a half. Okay, all day today, we'll be taking no calls. Are we taking calls today? Do we want to? I get a shrug from Saruti. Should we just do it because I'm by myself and we'll just see if like a guy calls in and goes, hey, who do you think is going to be U.S. men's soccer president? I don't know. We should do that. We should do the local radio segment where you just can call about anything you want to because we're not doing life advice today. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. Mike Mitchell, safety, Pittsburgh Steelers. He went off uh, yesterday, and actually the sound is great, okay? So I want Bubba, I want you to start and stop it for me instead of me hitting all these separate clips because it could go really long, but it's really, really good. And he's a frustrated player. He's a player that's been called dirty by a lot of different guys around the NFL. But I think because of that, you can't ignore his general point, which is that, man, what do you want us to do? And this is all in the aftermath of that bloodbath of a game between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati on Monday. So here is Mitchell. He was in front of his locker. I've watched the video now uh, twice and it was in my office this morning, like checking this whole thing out. But here's a big chunk of his general message of like, what do you want us to do? So I'll just tell you when I want to stop it. All right. At the end of the day, this is football. If you want to see flag football, then let's take our pads off. That would make it easier for me because I don't got to wear heavy. Shit. But give us flags for me to pull off because that way I know what we're playing. You know, I signed up to play full speed contact football, and we're not doing that. I feel like I got to ask a guy, hey, are you ready for me to hit you right now before I hit you? And that's crazy. I'm going to mess around and get hurt trying to protect an offensive player because he's running an over route. Damn it, your quarterback shouldn't have threw that ball messed up. That happened two years ago. That's I, I'm, I'm not joking at all. 
Andy Dalton threw a ball to Tyler Eifert two years ago. Tyler Eifert had to die for it. I was aiming for his gut. But if he don't die, he don't get in the head. That's 50 grand out of my pocket. Okay. I almost always take the side of the safety. What we ask these safeties to do in the NFL now is impossible. And I actually don't think anyone disagrees. I just don't, I just don't think they care. The point is this, is that whenever it's the offensive player going up to make the catch or going down to make the catch, the target changes. So if you are diving at something to tackle it, to hit it, to disrupt it, and a lot of times have that person that you're hitting be as big as you or sometimes, especially with the tight ends, be bigger than you, you're trying to hit them with force. And it will end up many times looking far worse than what the intent was. Now, Aloka yesterday, at least when that news came out that it was overturned, I, w- I was actually happy about that. I actually think he was trying to get Antonio Brown a little bit more there, but if you don't have a much of a track record, it's fine. We can move on. Juju, his hit was nasty on Burfick, Then he stands over him. Then he's out. But I agree with Mitchell that as a safety, you're, you're asking me to do the impossible. I think you know that, NFL, and you're still going to whack me anyway because you're constantly trying to promote this idea that we are supposed to be safer. And you want to know why this is happening? It's happening because of your alums, your former players, guys that I work with, have worked with, NFL players. And it was weird, man. Some of the NFL guys that I worked with, and Mark Schlayer is one of my favorite dudes ever, right? He comes in. I go, are you going to do the lawsuit? He goes, absolutely not. I wouldn't give back a day. I don't regret anything. Almost 20 surgeries, whatever the insane number is for him. He goes, I'm not putting myself down. I don't feel like I have concussion symptoms later on that, that are effective enough. And I go, all right, that's cool. Like, I respected that. And then there was another guy, I'm not going to say his name, he wasn't really one of my favorite dudes here anyway, and he goes, you know, he was walking around like, congratulations, congrat- we won. And I'm like, win what? He's like, won the lawsuit. And then somebody somebody else was like, are you hurting? Do you, you feel bad? He's like, nope, but we, we deserve every penny. And I kind of understand his point. I understand the former NFL guy that... You know, doesn't have a ton of money, maybe made some bad investments going, all right, they're giving out like checks for a hundred grand. If I just sign my name to this list, like I'll go ahead and do it. So I can't be totally against you, but if it's somebody here who's had a really good career and then they're on this, this concussion list and they go ahead and get their check, like I go, you know, I guess kind of go ahead and get yours, but I don't know, man, that one's tough. But what I always do with all of this stuff is I'm always trying to figure out like whose side do I want to take? And I usually always want to take the safety side in this spot. So keep rolling this thing with Mitchell because then it gets a little more personal here. But if he don't die, if he don't get in the head, that's 50 Hit grand again, out of my real pocket. Quick, sorry. He's talking about the Eifert hit. I went back and watched it this morning. The throw by Dalton wasn't insanely bad. He led him a little bit. Eifert had to go down. And then you're right. So Mitchell's saying, okay, so I get hit 50 because the target changes. And that's real money. I don't care how rich you are. 50 grand? Like nobody, you have an expectation of what that check is going to say every two weeks. You don't like it when it looks less. Keep it rolling. Because Andy throws a bad ball. Make that make sense. And at first you're taking our money, but now, you know, I got like Matt Hasselbeck calling me a dirty player and trying my character, and we've never met before. Time out. Okay, so it's Hasselbeck calling him a dirty player. So what's how do we all separate into our camps, right? Like every topic now. Oh, well, that's a quarterback. That's why he's saying Mike Mitchell's dirty. The hit on Alex Smith by Mike Mitchell's a dirty hit. Okay, Mike Mitchell has a rep, and here's a deal with dirty players. None of them ever think they're dirty. Not ever. Okay, Bruce Bowen, he's like, I'm not dirty. I was like, Bruce. If you're not a dirty player, then nobody is. And Bruce would come in right now if you sit next to me and say, no, no, I wasn't dirty. I'd be like, Ray Allen hates you. Vince Carter went from zero to 100 and wanted to kill you on the court. You know, the play on Amari Stoudemire, like, look, you're a dirty player. It's okay. It's part of your game, but you're a dirty player. So Mitchell wasn't having it. He calls out Hasselbeck. You'll say, well, wait a minute, if I'm siding with Mitchell, then I think Hasselbeck said it because he's an ex-quarterback. And then you go, well, wait a minute, Tony Gonzalez called him that. And then you go, well, Tony Gonzalez is saying it's dirty because he's a chief. You're like, all right, Mark Schlereth called him dirty. I'm like, well, Mark Schlereth's just doing it because he's what? You're like, all right, whatever, man. Then I guess nobody's dirty. Mike Mitchell can be a dirty player and be absolutely right, and I can have no sympathy for any of this anymore because that's the other part. Rosillo Show, it's ESPN Radio, ESPN News. I have close friends, close friends in this business that I think somehow take some joy in calling out every NFL misstep. And what I've tried to say throughout this entire reconfiguring of how we watch football, how complicit we feel, what what is right and what is wrong, 
like Mitchell's whole point about like I'm signing up for pro tackle football, and I'm like, yep, and I'm sitting down to watch it. And I don't want this story to happen, and it's happening to Ryan Shazier. It's awful, and we still don't really know what the hell's going on, and that's scary. But I'm not going to sit at home and go, I should enjoy this less. I'm not going to sit at home and go, possibly a concussion, and send out a tweet and get mad at the league. Like, I'm not going to do these things because I am accepting. I have an expectation of what this game will be on Sundays when I watch it. And I've come to this point where like, where I'm going to be okay with it. It's not going to be perfect. The NFL is in this spot where they have to present themselves as safe and family and all these things when it inherently will never be safe. And I think we all need to be okay with it. We need to be okay with it as consumers, as media members, as guys that are playing it every week. We have to be okay. And that's kind of the side I'm on. I'm on the side of let's come to a point where we can all agree that this is never going to be perfect the way people want it to be perfect. It will never be perfectly safe, and that's something I'm okay with. And I think Mitchell is just trying to tell you, look, you can think I'm a dirty player. I think you're wrong, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong about how hard it is to play this game with the way we're trying to change these rules on the fly. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. Football season is over, other than the bowl games, right here on the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio. Mel, what's going on, man? How are you? Ryan, great to be with you, man. We've got the one double-A playoffs this weekend. Uh, there's a lot of good prospects, by the way, Ryan, I know you'll be looking at in those games. So it's not just the main guys, the major college guys. Uh, some real good players will be on display for NFL GMs this weekend. Give me a sense, before we get into the draft stuff and the latest rankings you've had on... What you see is going on here, because we're going to do this Cleveland Brown story a little bit later. They loaded right. up on draft picks, but how bad of a job do you think Sashi Brown and this front office have done with Paul D. Podesta in trying to figure out a way to improve this roster? They would have done a A-plus, remarkable, phenomenal job, Ryan, had they just taken the quarterback who was sitting there for them. They did a lot of other great things that are kind of just, you know, Push to the to the background and push to the wayside because of not having the quarterback. You know, people think this is a team that doesn't have talent. They do. Lost four games by three points. Could have beaten the Steelers very easily opening week. Ryan, they've been competitive in other games. They have talent. They just passed on Carson Wentz. Remember, they took Manziel over Derek Carr. Then they passed on Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Had they just taken Carson Wentz, where would they be right now? With all the talent around them, now they still need some receivers that can catch the football. We know that. But this is a team that a GM is going to be re- very thrilled to take over. Okay, at that number one pick, so say Cleveland ends up with it, when it looks like it's going to happen here, does that mean it's a slam dunk because of the other quarterbacks that needed the position? Would Josh Rosen be your guy if Mel Kuyper Jr. is GM of the Browns? Wouldn't be a player right now. I would put uh, as the number one guy right now and say mark it down, Ryan. It's wide open. And I think the decision on who do you take, the GM will make that call. Say Cleveland. You have Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser has shown flashes. He doesn't have receivers catching the ball consistently. We know that. He can move. That touchdown-interception ratio is horrible. He's around 50%. We know all that. But he was a second-round pick, Ryan. You can still draft that quarterback. Let them figure it out. By year four for Kaiser, we already know where we are, and we've got to get a quarterback. So you have to figure, is it Rosen, Darnold, or Josh Allen? Or is it somebody else like Baker Mayfield, Mike White, Western Kentucky, Drew Locke, Missouri? If he came out, there's other quarterbacks. You've got to figure that out. And you're in this predicament because you didn't take Wentz, and you didn't take certainly Watson. So here you are. you got to look at the quarterback and say, who is the number one guy? Right now, I would say this, Ryan. You said it's too early. It's way too early to define rankings and say, this guy's lock, stock, and barrel, the number one quarterback. It is right now very wide open. Okay, I understand it's early at least on what their decision would be, but in your time evaluating the guys, do, I mean, do you – I know you have Rosen ahead of Darnold, at least on your latest big board. I can't imagine that's changing now. And By that much, Ryan. I mean, Darnold was number one in the beginning of the year. Darnold may go back. Keep in mind, we're talking about a lot of guys that could go back to college. The majority of players in my top 25, Ryan, are juniors. We don't know if they'll be in the draft or out of the draft. I don't really like talking about them until mid-January when they declare because they have a decision to make and they have an advisory board to help them and a lot of other avenues to help them. But there's a lot of kids that will be watching in these bowls that could go back, and Darnold being one of them. I mean, he got really much better, got hot late. Once he got used to new supporting cast, remember that offensive line took some hits. The receiving core took major hits with Juju Smith-Schuster, another top receiver moving on. So he got a lot better. And if he keeps going through the process, it could be darn. Rosen's got durability concerns, injured two years ago, injured this year. Love of the game, passion for the game, all that. Interviews will be important for him. Josh Allen, you got to love him, Ryan. He's got all the talent in the world. He's got the shoulder, though, he's dealing with now. Missed the last two games. We'll see if he plays in the bowl. Okay, Here's a kid lost his center. 
His top running back, wide receiver, and tight end all to the National Football League. We, we knew in August he'd be up against it. And then you got Baker Mayfield and those other quarterbacks I mentioned, Ryan. So a lot of work to be done between now and late April. We're talking with Mel Kuyper Jr., the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio. Okay, give me a guy. It's kind of like that Aaron Donald deal where he ends up being, and I'm not saying like this guy has to be the best defensive right. player in the league, but Donald we knew would be a first-round pick out of Pitt, but we were worried, you know what, He's a little smaller. Yeah. Is is he right? Is he going to hold up at the front at a nose tackle position? But then again, like everybody loved him. Do you have somebody that you love but at least isn't talked about as a top ten pick? Well, I have him up there, and I don't know if he's being discussed by everybody. Bradley Chubb from NC State is going to go in the top ten. I talked about him maybe going number one, number two, number three overall. We know Miles Garrett was elite. Miles Garrett's had a great rookie year coming back from the injury. And I think you know, Bradley Chubb won't be viewed in that freakish talent light. But this is a kid who has produced. He's got a tremendous motor, passion for the game. And I think after all said and done, you're going to hear back Bradley Chubb up there with the best players in this draft. Now, you think about Dallas Goddard, a tight end at South Dakota State, will see them this weekend, Ryan. Here's a kid who's a tight end with that Zach Ertz, Todd Heap type ability. Here's a kid who could get into the late first round and be one heck of a pass-receiving weapon in the National Football League. I love Bradley Chubb, so I, I totally see where you're going with that one. Um, if you're the Giants, okay, what would you rather do? Start a rookie next year or come, by, come back with Eli for one more year? Yeah, that's going to be a call that the GM's going to have to make. I think Eli with Denver, with Jacksonville, there may be a change of scenery there needed. Davis Webb, they drafted, but they got to draft a quarterback, Ryan. And I think whether Eli's there or not, they got to look at the quarterback position. I know Saquon Barkley's going to be tempting. I don't take a running back that high unless you have to. And the coordinator and head coach say, we got to have this guy as a missing link. That's not the case right now with the Giants. The quarterback is necessary. They got to evaluate those guys and they got to make a call because they're going to have a big time quarterback prospect staring them in the face. They just have to figure out which one they want who do you like better than as an impact player between derwin james safety florida state and minka fitzpatrick who looked like he did everything i mean both of them played multiple positions all over the place but minka at alabama yeah, they're different kind of players. It depends on what you want. Minka Fitzpatrick can be a slot corner. He can be a regular corner. He can be a safety. He is perfect for today's NFL. Defensive coordinators, Ryan, will love him. It's really a four-safety uh, corner situation. Safeties aren't being phased out, but obviously you can't have that striking ability that you used to have. I compare Derwin James to Steve Atwater. I think he's that kind of player. Phenomenal talent. Both are going to go very high. James had the injury a couple years ago. You know, he's obviously not going to play in the bowl game. We know why there. They don't want to risk injury. Uh, but certainly those two kids will go, I think, in the top five. And I think Minka Fitzpatrick, after all said and done, will be in the discussion, Ryan, depending on who the team is, to be the number one, number two pick overall. Last one, Baker Mayfield, first rounder. Definitely a first rounder, I think, unless something happens away from the game, because you got to always wonder, you know, these antics, you have the off the field issue. The, you know, he's going to be 23 by the time they draft, right? And, you know, right now, Sam Darnold is 20. He'll only be 20 if the draft doesn't turn 21 until June 5th. Uh, you, know, you look at the other quarterbacks, very young. He's going to be 23, and he's got to show the maturity to be the CEO. We know on talent, Ryan, I know he's six feet tall, but he's got that body type of Russell Wilson. On talent, he'd be a top 10 to 15 pick. The antics are the reason why do you trust him to be the CEO. That could push him down just a bit. Makes him, I think, Ryan, the most polarizing player in this draft. So wait a minute. You think that Mayfield's antics prevent him from being top 15 more so than his height? Well, Russell Wilson was 5'10 and 3 quarters. Okay, he went in the Russell third Wilson round. went in the third round yeah. because of that. Because if you redrafted Russell Wilson, he'd be a top five, number one pick overall. Okay, nobody would care about the 5'10 and 5'8, 5'10 and 3 quarters. But at that time, it mattered. It was a third round pick because nobody else had done it to that level. He was being compared to maybe Seneca Wallace. Okay, you couldn't find comps. Now you have Russell Wilson, who did it. Six feet? Who's six feet? Michael Vick was right around six feet. Drew Brees, okay? So now you have an area where, hey, that's not going to be a big factor. But the antics are the reason why I don't want to get a call at 3 a.m. about my quarterback. I got enough to worry about. I don't want my quarterback to have any issues. And Baker Mayfield has had some issues that lead to maturity concerns. He's going to be interviewed. They're going to do a lot of work on him, and they got to figure it out. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be cons compared to Johnny Manziel. You would be more <laughs> in a better position to be compared to Russell Wilson, who on a scale of 1 to 10 character-wise, Ryan, was considered before the draft to be a 15. Okay, That's why the CEO deal is important for a quarterback. Baker Mayfield has not proven that yet. 
great player on the field. That's college. This is the NFL. But I say this, Ryan, had it not been for those antics and that it was immaturity concerns, he would go in the top 10 to 15 overall. Whether he'll go there now, we'll see what happens between now and late April. Awesome. Thanks, Mel. Look forward to catching up with you throughout. The Ryan Rossillo Show. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. An interesting creature inhabits the flat, arid plains of many an automobile dashboard. The bobblehead. It's most agreeable and will nod along to anything, despite having no brain function. But when the bobblehead hears how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously, because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're going to get whiplash. Here we go. This is interesting. We're off to a different start, but you'd expect that. The man, Stephen Jackson, one of the great storytellers in all of sports media, he's going to be with us here on the Rosillo Show for one hour. We got, you, go. we got you for a segment, and then I went to Saruti. I go, you know, if he's just, I know sometimes he's just here. Like, do you want to hang out? Power. Perfect. Okay. So <laughs> we got to get a couple stories for you. For those that want a different perspective on this, uh, he's also, Got his Instagram story live going right now. That's underscore stack five. It's S T A K. Leave out the C. Stack underscore stack five underscore. There we go. And he's talking to people right now. Somebody want to know when his. What do they want to retire your Bobcats jersey? Yeah, they, some, they they really. They, a lot of people want the, uh, the Bobcats to retire my jersey because I have a lot of records there. I got the team to the playoffs for the first year. You know, is that the eight seed? Yep. 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 Was that with uh, Larry Brown? Larry Brown. Yeah, that's right. Yep, okay. Yep. I'm but it won't happen, guys. Sorry. Wait, wait a minute. So I think I almost have to start. My there. jersey was tired in the strip club. Go to Magic City. They know me good. My my jersey's in the rafters in there. I promise you. <laughs> Speaking of roll tide, uh, you were there two years, and they want your jersey. That's some serious. You made an impression on those people. Two yeah, I years. Got, in. They were terrible when I got there. Got there and they're making the playoffs. You know, my first year there. So I love the fans of Charlotte. Uh, all right. So uh, this is where I want to start. I want to do some story time with you. We have to. We may even take some calls, man. You're just so good at this. I'm cool with that. But we'll do it, whatever. Let's have some fun. But I do want to start a little headlining here. Watching last night, close game, Cavs win again mm-hmm. uh, at home against Sacramento. And, you know, I don't really get down on good teams playing close games against, but they've won 13 in a row. They're only three and a half back into the Celtics team. So as you see how Boston and Cleveland are playing out now, I think it's safe to say Boston's been better than we thought. Definitely better defensively. Definitely better, even with the, with the loss of Gordon Haywood. Yeah. I never it's, expected it, this. It's crazy, but... How has your mind, if it's changed at all, changed about who you think is the tops in the East 20 games into this? Well, I've, all, I've always thought Cleveland was the tops because you have LeBron. You have the best player in the world. Even when they were, what, 5-7? and seven? Yeah, because I knew it's a new team. And I, I said at the beginning of the season they had the best roster from 1-15 through 15 because they have guys that have experience and they have all veterans. They don't have any young guys like Boston. A lot of guys on Boston's team never been to the playoffs, especially the key players. Mm-hmm. Um, with with Cleveland, they have guys like Jeff Green, Crowder, uh, Corber, Jarrah Smith, guys that's that's experienced, that's been around, uh, and their their roster is solid. But when you got LeBron, he's gonna figure it out, and he leads by example. And once he gets going, the whole team comes on. So I wasn't worried about, worried about Cleveland. I was more worried about Boston, especially with the loss of Gordon Hayward. Yeah, the loss of Gordon Hayward. You okay? You know what I loved about what Boston did is I love that Danny Ainge goes. Yeah, I know I was the one seed, but was I really? You know, it doesn't it matter. A, it was a weird one seed. He brings back only four players from that team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he wanted to move on from Isaiah, but when you can get Kyrie for him, and I never I would, thought I would have made that. Yeah, deal. is Kyrie better now? Is he better now than we thought he'd be away from LeBron as a player? Yeah, because you know, in Cleveland, he was a Uzi in Cleveland, but he only had two bullets. 
That's not he, good. Now, nah, he in Boston with the extended yeah. clip. Yeah. He got the extended clip. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the banana clip in Boston. He's just shooting everybody down. And and that's the player he wants to be. He he don't want to be held back or, or overshadowed by anybody. He wants to go out there and ball out. And that's what he's doing in Boston. If I were to defend, not that I have to worry about defending Kyrie anytime soon, <laughs> I think I would try to block his shot from where I don't think he'd release it at the rim. Because if he shows it to you, that's never where he is the best I've ever seen as a small guy finishing against size. I've said it for a couple years now, but you might, it's like swinging a knuckleball. You might as well just try to block the shot where you don't think he's going to release it. From. Right. And you know who he reminds me of? Rod Strickland. I think Rod Strickland was one of those guys, the point guards that can finish. And I don't know if you can block it because he always puts it where you, where you least expect him to lay it up at. Like I say, he's one of the best finishers, and he can finish with both hands. I think that's what's more, most deadly about him. You never know what hand he's going to finish with. Now, handle-wise, he's one. I <clears> thought he and Curry were close, and I still think Steph is, is number two in, in the handle department, but it feels like Kyrie's getting even better. How come there's guys that can go full <laughs> dribble the whole time, and then there's guys that can't dribble more than twice? How does that happen? Growing up playing the game, where guys like will just stop. Was it because they were always big, younger when they were younger? I don't know. I think like me, I played. I was bigger than everybody, but I was forced to handle the ball. You know, I was I was forced to be a point guard. Like I don't know. I I think it's just something that 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 you want to do. Guys that's in the NBA that can't dribble. Obviously, you never cared about dribbling <laughs> in high school, middle school, <laughs> growing up. No time. You know what I mean? If you can't dribble Like, who now. couldn't dribble? Who was, a, like, kind of a score perimeter guy, but you knew, like, man, don't put it on the floor a third time? Matt Barnes. <laughs> That's my brother. I love Matt to death. But you know with Matt Barnes, it's two dribble, spin move. Max. Okay? If, I have if, a Matt Barnes will kill you t-shirt, so I love that guy. That's my guy. That's my brother. You know who would win in a fight? With who? You and Matt Barnes. We would never fight. Oh, come on. We would never fight. Well, hypothetical. So you had a dream about it. Woke yeah, up. I, I, you know what? I would rather dream about me fighting somebody that I actually hate. Because that, that, that fight could actually happen. The, a fight with me and Matt Barnes will never happen. Okay, all right, all right. Just moving on. I'm sorry. I didn't, we'll, 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 we'll do that one later. <laughs> I didn't want to derail everything here. All right, so Matt Barnes is a two-dribble guy. Then you know you got him. Because he's going to spin. After the second dribble, he's spinning. I guarantee you. We call him the spin cycle. If you look at Matt Barnes, if he dribble, takes more than two dribbles, that third dribble is going to be a spin move. Guaranteed. I'm going back to look him up. Guaranteed. When he did the thing with Kobe, do you think Kobe gets too much credit for not flinching? Because he didn't notice. And he was didn't tired. get enough credit. <laughs> like, like I wish, like when Matt flinched at Kobe, and he, I mean, through the ball, first of all, Kobe, Kobe didn't flinch. You know, those, uh, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of memes. Like when something happened, everybody like, ooh. I wish everybody could have ran on the court and be like, God, oh, Kobe, you gangster, you gangster. Because he did not flinch. I don't know nobody that wouldn't have flinched that close to the ball. Kobe's I, a G. Kobe's a G. That's the thing is, it was he so locked in that, like, I almost. I'm so skeptical of everything, but you're right. Like, if he truly didn't, like, he just, like, I didn't flinch. And that's what the video shows us. Nobody expected him. It, I, would, I flinched watching it. It might be my favorite Kobe highlight. That's I, stupid. I like how he, t- he, he, he didn't throw any, but he took, he took two punches against Chris Childs. I was proud of Kobe. Like, he ate him. He took him and was ready to go back. Yeah, Childs did give him a one-two. Ooh, nice one-two piece. He got out of there after, which, which is smart, because he, he know he understands the NBA fight. Whoever throws the first two win. <laughs> That's the NBA fight because they breaking it up. Chris Childs, you a smart guy. What about when Raja clotheslined him? When Raja clotheslined Kobe? Yeah. So when you're watching, like you're a good player, but you're not superstar level like Kobe. When you guys are watching that, are you kind of rooting for the Rajas and the Chris Childs? Types? No, no, because I, I always felt like Raja Bell was dirty. You know what I mean? You, you don't need to clothesline him. If I was on Kobe team, I would have went Raja mouth. Bing, bing. Fronts <laughs> everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It would have happened that fast because that was my role as a teammate. And when you're doing dirty stuff like that, there's no reason to clothesline somebody. You must you must got something on your mind, so let's let it off. Okay, that's the start with Steven Jackson. We got three or <laughs> more of those. All right, give me – so when I saw you in the cafeteria, I said, I want to do another great story like you yeah. did with the the palace, the malice at the palace. What story do you have for us? Uh, let's see. We're going to do this next, so I'm going to tease it. All right. You're well, going to tease it, basically. Uh, I got a story about – did I tell you a story about playing paintball with mm. Tim Duncan? No. Nope. In preseason? And nope. I almost got kicked off the team? No, done. All right, yeah. there you go. All right, almost got kicked off the Spurs because yeah. of paintball and Tim Duncan. Yes. Steven Jackson for a full hour right here at the Rosillo Show. 
The Ryan Rosillo Show. Steven Jackson for an hour. I'm getting texts left and right going, don't go to break. <laughs> don't do anything. I could be like, hey, is, is Andre Drummond turning things around? I don't care, man. I want to I do the story that you're doing on your Instagram talking to people right now. We're going to take some calls. 888-SAY-ESPN. It's 888-729-3776. Steven Jackson for an hour here on the Rosillo Show. You can also hit us up on Twitter, 1-800-Flowers.com. Twitter feed is at Rosillo Show. This holiday season, the best deals or at 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, when you order the Holiday Light Roses Bouquet, you'll get double the flowers at no extra cost. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ESPN. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash ESPN. And your Twitter handle is? The DA Trill Stack 5. The Trill Stack 5. And then the Instagram story is underscore stack, S-T-A-K-5 underscore. Yes, sir. So what happened? You almost got kicked off the Spurs for what, killing Tim Duncan? Well, this is what happened. So it's preseason, you know. Tim Which is, year are we? This is um, going into the championship year, going into the uh, well, 03. Oh, 03. 03. <laughs> David Robinson's last year. Going into the season. Um, the pre- You're 24. Yeah. The previous year I was on the Angeles, so I didn't play all that year. So um, we going. I been, I was there all summer. I stayed in, in, in uh, San Antonio all summer and stayed and worked out with Tim. And you liked Tim. You and Tim got That's along. That's my guy. He right. loved, you know what I'm saying? Tim loved me, and the way he embraced me, it felt like, I had my big brother again because I lost my big brother when I was 15, 16. So Tim Duncan filled that role the time I was in San Antonio. I have to give him that. That's why I love him to death. But he used to always take me with him playing paintball. He knew I wasn't scared of nothing. I've been shot at by real bullets. So paintballs, I was not afraid of. Can we get to that in segment four? <laughs> <laughs> so so I was not worried about paintballs at all. You know what I mean? So we <laughs> wanted to have a team bonding event before training camp. Pop said, y'all can do anything y'all want, just don't go play paintball. He knew how serious me and Tim took paintball. So, and Tim, I think, now Tim has the 2025 paintball guns where they shoot 30 paintballs at a time. So he had all the top stuff. So Tim was, him and his uh, best friend, Nico, shout out to Nico, which is now the DA in San Antonio. Uh, But, uh, so we decided to go. I have some friends. Tim have some friends. So we we separate the two teams. So I'm always on Tim team. So I don't. I didn't know really the paintball talk. So ten. I want you at ten. I want you at twenty. And it's different belts. So I know twenties in the middle. Ten is all the way up. Fifties mm-hmm. back. You know, it's like yards. Sure. But, it, but it's beams that you hide behind. So normally at the beginning of the game, Tim Tim telling me, Jack, go. That means go as far as I can. Without getting shot, if I can get close to him, like right on the other side of him, where I can shoot him like this, mm-hmm. go, Jack. But he knows I'm not scared to get hit. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, Tim Duncan telling me to go, go, Jack, go. So I take off running. We're playing a game called uh, Get the Flag. So, like I said, Tim had all the 2020 things. I had the normal mask that you get from the place when you go there. Yeah. They give you the stock stuff. You got rentals. Rentals, exactly. That's exactly what I had. So I had a rental mask. So I'm not knowing that these masks fog up. Right, I'm yeah. not knowing that, so I'm running hard. I'm sweating. I'm 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 double oh seven. I'm dodging bullets, sliding. You know, I'm just doing all the stuff that I see on video games. I'm actually doing it in real life. So I get to the stairs to grab the flag. Right, so it's it's the flag is in between some steps, so you can go up without getting hit. But the bullets, I mean, uh, the the it's not bullets, the paintballs are still coming. So I'm ducking down and I'm reaching up for the flag, and as I reach up for the flag, I breathe and my mask fogs up. So I, I'm not even thinking that I have to take another step. So I just reach up to grab the flag, and I miss the step. As I do that, my mask slides up. I hit the step, mouth first. Boom! Blood just starts shooting everywhere. So nobody knows because they can't see me. Nobody knows that I'm about to bleed out. <laughs> I'm about to bleed out. It was a self-inflicted wound. I'm about to bleed out. So I'm, I'm on the steps, holding, trying to feel like all this blood coming from my lips just swelling up at the same time. It's just swelling up. So nobody can hear me or see me. So I put my mask down and I'm trying to walk off the field to tell them that I didn't. Yeah, I'm hurt. Them. Yeah, I'm hurt. And as I'm walking down, everybody shoots me. So when they shoot, they Knew shoot me like 10 tough. times in the back. Yeah. I turn around and they see me and all they see is blood on my shirt. Everybody start freaking out like, what happened? Was it a real bullet in one of the guns? What happened? Everybody start running over. They see my mouth. Tim's like, how are we going to tell? explain this to Pop when we go to practice tomorrow, right? So we sit there and try to make up all kind of stuff. I fell somewhere, da, da, da. 
And once we got to practice, we had a nice story. I don't remember exactly what the story was the next what day. What were some of the lies that you suggested? Uh, that I fell down the steps at home. Shower, A cat. ball hit me in the mouth. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was playing. Uh, me and my friend was boxing and stuff like that. So I get to practice, and I see Pop. So his face is like, I don't want to hear it. Don't, be, don't BS me. Tell me what happened. So as I'm getting ready to tell the story, Malik Rose walks in. This is I'm glad he did because he helped us. Pop has the... Shack in the knack, yeah. Pop has the, you jeopardized my best player, Tim Duncan. You was involved. You're hurt. I don't know what you know. Yeah, you didn't even play he's last hot. year. Oh, he's <laughs> terrible. He's, he's hot. Malik walks in, and as I'm finna explain Pop, Malik walks in and points at my lip. Yo, what is this? And just busts out laughing, right? His reaction made Pop laugh. So it, that was my time. We went and played paintball, Pop. I can't lie. I fell playing paintball. He's like, did not... But I was all right. He seen I was all right. Yeah. And Malik kind of broke the ice. And nothing was wrong with Duncan. I didn't get suspended. <laughs> Tim was fine. Tim was laughing. Pop's only reply was, I'm glad it was you and not Tim. I'd rather be you and Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Pop. Thanks. <laughs> that <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Steven Jackson here on the Rosilla Show on ESPN Radio. All right, we're just to take some calls. Ask him whatever. Um, oh, he doesn't have uh, – yeah, we need him to throw in his earpiece if you can. All right. Right here. Throw those in so you can hear the calls here. We're taking calls. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. All right, we got uh, Chris in Wisconsin. What's up, Chris? Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm a big fan of both of you guys. Uh, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan, so I was just kind of wondering if Steven had any stories from his time there. I know it didn't end on the best terms, but, you know, still a big fan of both of you guys. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, you know, uh, I think the best story that I got about Milwaukee was um, – being able to stay home and get paid and not go to the games. That's the best story. But I mean, I, I, I did not get along with Scott Skiles. I didn't even want to go play for him. You know, I was traded there from Charlotte. I didn't want to leave Charlotte and go to Milwaukee. And I was at the point in my career where I didn't want to be a, a part of a, a team that had no, 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 no motivation to win. You know, I mean, Brandon Jennings didn't want to be there. Bogut didn't want to be there. And I was in a situation with a whole bunch of young guys that really didn't know the direction their career was going with a coach that a lot of guys didn't like because he wasn't the player's coach. The best thing about the organization was John Hammond. He was great, the GM. I love John Hammond. He's a real straight-up guy. love John Hammond. But uh, the best part about that was besides John Hammond was me having – I had a nice condo in Milwaukee right on the water. That's the only thing I remember. I don't even remember playing a game there. Let's go to Hunter in Missouri. (laughs) I had a nice pad. I had a sick pad. I'm telling you. I shot a video in it. I got a video uh, of the French Montana beat. You know what I'm saying? That I shot I shot in the condo, and the condo was laid. Man, I'm talking about I had a gate with a key for my closet. Yeah, Milwaukee is a nice place, but the team sucked. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> okay, Hunter in Missouri. I didn't even think that was a great question either. <laughs> hey, hello, guys. What's big up? fan, by the way. How you guys doing today? Good, and you? How big? All right, so, uh, oh, uh, very big fan. Cool. All right, so my question to Stephen is, um, how or what are your thoughts on the uh, Cleveland streak coming up now? I'll hang up and listen. I mean, it's, it's what I expected. I mean, if anybody is surprised by this this winning streak, you haven't been watching basketball for the last fifteen years. Uh, they have LeBron, a guy named LeBron James from Akron, Ohio. On their team, about six eight, two two seventy, has a forty plus inch vertical, um, and he's he's basically getting better with time. And if you don't know this guy, I think you should check him out. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure you, you might not know him. His name is LeBron James. Check him out. He's really good. Where's number twenty three? He's see, just been the best player the last fifteen years, and he's on that team. See, I think what's happening here is that our man <laughs> wanted to call and say hi to you, then he wasn't quite sure he wanted to ask you, especially after the last condo thing. So, can I ask you about the real bullets? Yes. Yeah? Yes. All right, because I actually want to hear that story. So dodging real bullets, and then we'll maybe, Steve, we can sneak in your defensive questions about the Cavs, but I doubt it. <laughs> Steven Jackson, the Rosillo Show at ESPN Radio. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. Nobody's going to stop me. No, nothing is beyond me. I'm coming at you faster. No stopping what now that Human Resources VP Meg Ward has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's totally owning it at work. She even has her own hype song. I'm going to blow it up now. Hey. I'm a body My workforce is really diverse. You know, different hours, different skill sets, different pay grades. There's nobody like me. I dare bring it on. 
we're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at kronos.com slash HR swagger. Okay, this is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Everyone's texting me from all over the country listening here to the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio saying just keep it going with Steven Jackson, our man here. Um, we all know him from hoops. We know him from Countdown. But he's – wait a minute. Do you go on Howard Stern? No. All right. So I don't I don't understand. I just got a note from somebody saying I love when he goes on Howard Stern. You should <laughs> go on Howard Stern. I would Stern. love to go on Howard Stern. Well, it would be a win for everybody involved. But I was like, <laughs> I don't think he goes on Howard Stern. Let, let me selfishly keep him around here for at least a few more minutes. <laughs> Subscribe right now, 30 for 30 podcast, the listen tab of the ESPN app or Apple podcast brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try it for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash 30. Subscribe to the Rosillo Show podcast as well, and then unsubscribe, and then do it again, because that's how all the numbers are kept track of. And it's really stupid, but if you do it and we do it, then everybody thinks we're really good. All right, moving on. <laughs> okay, you dropped the paintball, but then you said that's not like dodging real bullets. So right. tell us the dodging real bullet story. Happy birthday, Smith Mills, 360, one of my followers. Okay, so I am grew up in Port Arthur, Texas. Port Arthur, Texas is an hour from Houston, uh, 45 minutes from Louisiana, so we right on the Gulf. That's why you sound, your accent a little yes. bit is a little bit more by you than it is. I it mean, comes out a lot, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Especially when I'm that. having fun and I'm not thinking. <laughs> uh, but I live uh, on the Gulf of Mexico where the hometown of UGK. You ever heard of a rap group called UGK? Yeah. Pimp yeah. C and Bun B. Rest in peace, Pimp C. Shout out Bun. And um, that's my hometown. And it's where I grew up, it was, grew up there, it was three, two high schools, eight sets of low-income housing. So eight sets of projects. So... It's, but it's small, only 70,000 people. So everybody knows everybody. Port Arthur's 70,000. Yes. Okay. Everybody know everybody. So it was a situation where it's still the east side and the west side in my hometown. I grew up on the west side, but I went to middle school on the east side. So I'm cool, and I play basketball. So you you know if you're an athlete, you get along with everybody, gangbangers, pimps. You get Everybody get along with you because you're the athlete. And I was the only athlete that had promise to make it coming out of my hometown at the time. So everybody knew me. Even though I stayed in trouble, they all protected me. You know, when things, Did you get into a lot of trouble? I could have, but they protected me. Like when times when I wanted to sell drugs and I really didn't know what I was doing, my friends would take it out of my pocket and sell it for me. Or times where I wanted to pull out a gun and shoot somebody, get in a fight, they would stop me. You know, My city protected me, and that's why I'm, a big reason why I'm successful. But back to the story, I grew up on the west side, and my friends on the west side didn't get along with the guys on the east side. But like I said, I hung out with everybody. It's like 2, 3 in the morning, and one of my friends from the east side was having a dice game outside his house. And the guy I was with, he loved gambling. How old I, are you now at this point? 15, 16, okay. around that time. Well, probably younger than probably 14, 14, 15. And um, I go, I'm riding with him all night, you know, smoking, doing the things we do, hanging out. And uh, he want, he stops by this guy's house and that uh, where they were shooting dice, like 10, 15 guys out there. Me personally, I wouldn't go there without him. I know that my friends and these guys don't get along, but I get along with everybody. But I know they've been shooting at each other the last three, four weeks, consistent, every weekend, at every club. So we're shooting dice. Well, they're shooting dice, and I'm just standing there, you know, probably smoking or something like that. And all you hear is for about a good two, three minutes coming from an alley. I'm ducking, I get in the house, we all running, pushing each other down, trying to get in the house, you know, shot stop, two guys get hit, a guy, I'm looking at my, my, my friend Keedy, he got a bullet stuck in his arm, just stuck there, another guy shot, and I go outside, it's almost 65 holes in the house, I didn't get hit one time, so this is the funny part about That's the story. That's some kind of party. Oh, this is the funny part about the story though, about four days later, well not four days later, so I say about a year later, I'm on the west side with my friends playing basketball, just chopping up top, shooting the breeze. And I hear one of my friends say something about that night. And I turn around and look at him. I say, fool, you know, I was out there that night. So your friend's saying he's the this, one that. My friends that did it? Yeah. I'm sitting there with him. And they're talking about it. And I turn around and look at him like, fool, you know, I was out there that night. And he, he and the crazy part, they laughing. Man, I apologize. It was funny to them. I'm like, I apologize. It was. I'm talking about that close. It was that close. And that's just one of many times. Now, did you say to them, hey, it, I mean, okay, yeah, I'm there, so I'm upset. But just the comfort level of 
if, if we take a couple guys out, we take a couple guys out. But like, did we get any? Like, that's I think for someone that doesn't understand what it's like to grow up like that, mm-hmm. the acceptance, just the casualness of like, yeah, we just sprayed a bunch of bullets at that house and we get somebody, we get somebody. This is their lifestyle. This is how they live. You know, this this is this how they grew up. They grew up in this. So this was nothing new to them. This is this is what they do when they disagree with people. You know, and I know how I, mad were you? So like, were you? I wasn't mad. I couldn't be mad because I shouldn't have been there. So you weren't mad at them because they were your friends, or because you, you shouldn't have been there. Like, I shouldn't have been there. Like I wasn't. I wasn't mad at they. At the, at the I knew the beef. I knew what I was. I knew the area I was going into. At three o'clock in the morning, what happens around that time? Yeah. We had a dice game. Any things like that happen? So I knew where I was. I just didn't expect it to happen that night. I couldn't. I couldn't be mad at them. Did anybody get go back at them then? If everybody in the small town, it, it, it went on. It, it went on for years. It probably just stopped. Probably like probably like five six years ago. It's been going on for years. So when you go back and you try to talk to, like, how often do you go back there where you go, like, look? I, I was just home for the hurricane. You know, I went home and did a lot of stuff. I have a gym down there, so I, I made the gym a warehouse for people to send stuff for people in the city to come get, you know, diapers, clothes, all kind of stuff. Me and my family did that for uh, my family. Actually, just stopped last week since the hurricane hit. But um, I mean, does anybody listen to you? Because you're, oh yeah, you're, um, you're a sign of success, you know, and you're somebody that's from there, and they should be able to say, man, if he. But you know, not everybody's six seven with a handle and can shoot either. So mm-hmm. you know what I'm what I'm saying is, how hard is it for even you with your profile and being from there to get through to guys that you're like, look, this is not. You're going to look back on this if you make it through it, going, what an incredible waste of time. Well, they, my me, the fact that I'm successful now, yeah, and where I come from, my pedigree, my brother that got killed, he was a real gangster. My brother got bought, like he was a real gangster. I could talk Did you about look up now. to him. Yeah, because it was cool. The first guy that wrote me a blunt, the first guy that taught me how to talk to a girl. I used to I used to sneak uh, bottles of um, uh, not uh, Thunderbird and Boone's Farm into the movies. I remember that when the first time when a Menace to Society came out, uh, I wasn't old enough to go. My uh, my my, bro- my brother, a guy named DC and John Johnson, snuck me in the movies. I had a I had a uh, Raider starter jacket at the time. I remember the Raider starter jacket. I think everybody had one, and I had three bottles on each side in my sleeves. That's the only way I could go in. That's the only way they would sneak me in, and uh, and and. But my brother was a real gangster. My my brother was so gangster he tried to rob my best friend when he wasn't around me. So so people know that my pedigree and I and I've been around this my whole life. So the fact that I escaped it and 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 didn't get caught up in it, I think everybody loves the fact that they had a hand in it, especially in my city. Okay, we do have a bunch of calls, and they're more specific questions this time because we just we weren't going to do. Hey, give me your all-star sleeper. All right. And we got Steven Jackson for an hour. We have to make the most of it. So I want to ask you a little bit about the guys you didn't like playing against and yes. all the different reasons. And we do have some good questions that we've screened here. Um, and thanks for opening up about that nah, one, too, because this is always good stuff. Steven Jackson for another segment right here, Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. The Ryan Rosillo Show. I gotta take my guy, uh, I love DOC. Uh DOC. You know get funky enough. I just am so happy. Dallas. When they, yeah, I know, I know that's not exactly, you know, your, your backyard. Oh, there. that but, is but, Texas. But, but to be a rapper from Texas when back then it was like you, you could only be from two spots. Yeah. And then I would hear this dude and I'm like, oh my God. One, How about the grand the finale? Two, the three and four. That was classic. Yeah. And then the grand finale, you're like, you're just not going to stop, huh? Right? You're not going to take <laughs> a breath. Like that kind of stuff still holds up. Cause when I listen to other, like if I was, I was I was working out to run DMC the other day, and I was thinking to myself, like, how many people that are younger that would listen to rap today would go, they get this and they understand it, or would they say this is just too slow? And then when I think of like some of the guys that would still hold up, like when I listened to the DOC when he was at his best, mm-hmm. and I love that he's still part of that straight out of Compton story because he was such a big part of that whole yeah, thing. Right? Like he, I think if he were around, you know, obviously he is around, but it could still rap like that. He produced more music and wrote more songs on all of Dre's music than people think. Oh my gosh! <laughs> DOC like, was real, real instrumental when that Easy E Dre beef first started, like really coming to the forefront. And then the 187 Easy E mm-hmm. solo album came out, and after you know, at that point, he'd already been out with a bunch of stuff. And I was just in college; we're about the same exact age. And mm-hmm. I remember the 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 cover of his CD for 187 was pictures of Dre yeah, like yeah. as like a backup dancer, <laughs> yeah. and they pointed to his mascara. And then they used the to shiny shot, suit man, right? So I was like, yeah, Easy, you know. <laughs> Because, and it was just a stupid college kid. too, man. Anyway. All right. Steven Jackson, Rosillo Show. It's ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. We get another segment with him. We're going to do calls here. We've screened the questions a little bit more here. So let's go to Jason in L.A. Hey, What's guys. Up? What's up, Jay? 
Hey, Stephen. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, which celebrity uh, attended a game that you played in that made you feel like you had to really elevate your game or one that really made you really mad? Uh, celebrity that showed up that either made me elevate my game or made me mad. Um, I know I was happy to see Snoop Dogg at our game. And well, when I was in Golden State, uh, the Lakers wasn't that good. And we were, we really were the best team in Cali at, at that time. And, uh, when we played Dallas in the first round and we had Snoop come to our games, I was excited to see Snoop out, uh, at our games because, you know, he was all, he was a big time, uh, basketball Laker fan. And to see him at our games with Golden State jerseys on, one, I was happy to see him there supporting us, you know, the rapper I looked up to. And then second, I knew what I was going to do after the game. I knew who I was hanging with. So it worked out. <laughs> you still keep in touch with Snoop? Yeah. Actually, actually, he came, he, uh, came to the big three. Uh, game and we got a chance to hang out and he's also involved in the Champions League that I'm a vice president of. Timeout. You you uh you won the scoring title in the Big Three. Yeah. So were you doing like you were dropping thirty in the Big Three and then going doing a hit on the jump? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah. And pretty actually, much. Yeah. And actually, after right after my game at the Big Three, we played at Staples. We smoked out Staples Center in the back locker room in the locker room. I think it's never been done before. So just so I get this straight here. Uh, me and Snoop and some other guys. I'm 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 gonna say myself. I'm not gonna say everybody that was there, but me and Snoop was definitely there. All right. So you and Snoop got high before the big three no, final. After after it wasn't the final. We didn't make it into the final because you would never smoke before a game, right? Never. Only <laughs> only at the end of the season when I know I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. All right. So you got you got high with Snoop after you won the big three deal. Yes. Yeah. No, we, no, no, it, it was after a game. Just a game. Just yeah, a game. we didn't, didn't win it. We didn't right. win it. Yeah, we yeah. didn't win it. We was in last place, actually. I wonder why. Yeah, Chauncey Billups. Thank you, Chauncey. He didn't show up <laughs> half the games, but I, I understood. He had bigger fish to fry at the time. Yeah, we thought he was going to be the Cavs GM, not your point guard. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, Cody in Virginia has a nightlife question. What's up, Cody? Turn up. Hey, Steven, I just have a couple questions for you. How uh, how nightlife compared from when you were first interning in the league and how it was later on in the years? Did you get to drop a couple stories on us? And uh, also how it felt to run up into them stands? <laughs> well, first, nightlife has changed. I couldn't I couldn't do the things today that I was doing, that we were doing. You know, we, 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 we were going on teams I was on. We were going 12 deep to the clubs, spending 10,000, 15,000 every night, uh, just just having a, a, a blast, you know, basically a bachelor party every night, you know, in every club, every city, we just had a good time, you know, and we took care of each other, you know, and, and you can't do that now because it's too much social media. The way we partied, the way we had a good time, we were able to do that because it wasn't cameras in our face. It wasn't everybody trying to film what you're doing. So today I couldn't hang out like I did today. It's, it's totally different now because it's too much, it's too much social media going on. I'm not trying to get in your business or anyone else's business in here, but like whenever I look at the Jeter profile, I go, all right, well, Jeter just sort of knew, look, I'm going to do well here. I'm in New York City. <laughs> I'm the man. Hey, why do you guys get girlfriends? Why do you get married? You know, that, that, that's true. I mean, I shouldn't have been married. You know what I mean? I shouldn't have been married, but is there an understanding with some wives on the deal where no, you just go? No. No. I, I always am fascinated no, by that. That's like, overrated. It ain't, it ain't no understanding. <laughs> There's no. Hey, I, I understand. Like as long as it's it's, it's on the road, it don't work it, like that. <laughs> nah, that's not real. I've never had a girl tell me like, as long as I don't find out, it's it's cool. Nah, how much of like a hassle that. is that stuff? It's it's a hassle because you guys can't help. Like, but it's self inflicted wounds. It's, you know, you you doing it to yourself. I mean, I, me personally, you know, I, I didn't I didn't get caught like. <laughs> like other guys, you know what I mean. I was I was real good with mine. You know, I, when I got divorced, it just it was just a divorce. It wasn't no infidelity in that gun. So, but I I love women. You know what I mean. I mean I I'm definitely not the guy I was when I was playing. You know, I was wild in. I wanted every woman around and wasn't accepting no. You know what I mean. I was, if I had to buy it, <laughs> had to pay for it, I would. I mean that's that's what it was. We we didn't accept no. We, it was it was no no. You know we we didn't hear it, but. We did and a lot. You mean just so in today's climate when you mean no? Just we wasn't taking like, it, right? You know, right. We, 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 it was under their will, but we was just being real persistent, right? You know what I'm saying? We, we any any whatever I need to do to make you happy, for you to come hang out with me, babe, I'm willing to do it. Point blank. How much money? What's the most you ever spent on a girl? Oh, it's hard to say because you know, for guys to say they don't spend money on women, they don't have any women. You are gonna spend something. On dinner, drinks, or something, you're gonna spend it on something. So you know, you might as well make it worth it. I think the most I actually gave a chick to hang out with me, five hundred dollars. 
Just cash, hang out with me tonight? Just Yeah, I, I wanted to, because, you know, strippers, we have to work till like 3, 4 in the morning. I'm right. not staying there all night. Look, baby, go pay your uh, tip out. They have to pay tip out. See, I know so much about it. They got to pay the tip out before they can leave, so. And those nope. are all 1099s anyway. So right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's different than Atlanta. They got 401k plans and all that. And then uh, 401k in Atlanta, they got all kind of stuff. They got pensions, retirement, all kind of stuff in Atlanta for strippers. But, but you know, give them $500, say, baby, go tip them and let's go. And uh, we used to do that with like 10, 15 girls. I wish we had more time. We, we had have, fun. We had fun, man. We had fun. All right. That is my man, Stephen Jackson, here on the Rosillo Show. It's ESPN Radio. Again, his Instagram story is live throughout the day, underscore stack, S-T-A-K-5, underscore again. And uh, can we do this again? Anytime. All right. Sounds good. That's perfect. Thank you for listening to the Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast.